welcome to episode five of the Sussex Local Podcast, recorded in October 2020. I hope you guys are all doing well. We've got a lot to pack in this month, so let's get on with it. Ford in West Yorkshire is now best known as the location of a prison, but it was once a major RAF station. In our history slot, local historian Alan Misselbrook tells the story of when Ford Airfield was bombed in August 1940. And in this episode's health feature, we've got Storrington osteopath Nick Koish, who indulges us with some pillow talk, hmm, including the good, the bad and the ugly, why you shouldn't sleep on your front and, wait for it, what could be living in your pillow? Ugh. Do you like salt? I do, especially on my chips with loads of vinegar. But did you know that salt also has healing properties when you breathe it in? Salt therapy is gaining in popularity and we have a fabulous competition where you can win a pass for five sessions at Salt Space in Hove. This all seamlessly interspersed with our tantalising Sussex snippets, news from across the counties that you may not have heard elsewhere. So let's go. Applications for children in West Sussex who are due to start primary or infant school in September 2021 are now open and stay open until the 15th of January 2021. Children born between the 1st of September 2016 and the 31st of August 2017 will be eligible to start primary or infant school next September. Parents of children currently in year two at infant school are now able to apply for a place at junior school for September 2021. The quickest and easiest way to apply is online at westsussex.gov.uk. More than £2,000 has been raised in just one day for the firefighters charity and the mother of a Shoreham firefighter who has been diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer, allowing her to complete her bucket list. You can continue to support the fundraising here at gofundme.com slash F for Foxtrot slash 24KGAPOWPC. That's gofundme.com forward slash F for Foxtrot forward slash two four k g a p o w p c it's a little bit complicated but hopefully you got it st wilfred's hospice in chichester is launching a series of podcasts and videos to help those at home receive tips and techniques on managing the symptoms associated with breathing difficulties you can view the episodes at stwh.co.uk It's now 80 years since the Battle of Britain when the Royal Air Force and Fleet Air Arm of the Royal Navy defended the United Kingdom against large-scale attacks by Nazi Germany's Air Force. We tend to think of large cities such as London and Birmingham being bombed, but of course the Germans also had other targets, not least the airfields on which our aircraft were based. Of course, Ford in West Sussex is now best known as the location of a prison, but it was once a major RAF station. In our history slot... Local historian Alan Misselbrook tells the story of when Ford Airfield was bombed in August 1940. Ford Airfield, bombed by the Luftwaffe, 18th of August 1940. Written and read by Alan Misselbrook of the Yapton Ford Local History Group. 
August the 18th, 1940. It was on this fateful day, 80 years ago, a Sunday, that Hermann Goering's Luftwaffe tried to bomb Ford Airfield out of existence. Alfred Price described the day's events as the hardest day in his book of the same name. Luftwaffe targets for the day included key RAF fighter stations at Bicken Hill, Kenley and North Weald. It was mystifying then why they chose the Royal Naval Air Base of HMS Peregrine, which was a training station and not a front-line fighter station. Ford was not very heavily defended. Air raid warnings were being sounded all morning, followed by the all-clear, without any enemy activity affecting the airfield. The time was shortly after 2pm. The all-clear having been sounded, the men and women were preparing to have their lunch. Minutes earlier, at 1.59, a polling radar station picked up a force of incoming enemy aircraft over the Isle of Wight, which they estimated to be in the region of 150 aircraft, which in fact turned out to be nearer 270. Hurricanes of 601 Squadron were already in the air, patrolling over Tangmere. 43 Squadron, based at Tangmere, also flying Hurricanes, were scrambled to patrol over Thorny Island. Spitfires of 602 Squadron took off from West Hampnet, now known as Goodwood, and were ordered to cover Ford and Poling. The incoming force consisted of Junkers JU-87s, commonly known as Stukas, and BF-109s, fighter aircraft, had separated into four distinct groups. Their allocated targets were Gosport, Thorny Island, Poling and Ford. Those targeting Ford and Poling flew along the coast from Selsey, past Bognor and Littlehampton. Once past Littlehampton, 28 Stukas peeled off, turning into the wind and dived onto the unsuspecting naval base, whose only defence were six vehicle-mounted Lewis guns. The unequal battle was over in 10 minutes, leaving 28 people dead and 75 injured. One act of forlorn heroism was displayed by Lieutenant Commander Michael de Corsi of the Royal Naval Observer School, who died firing his service revolver at the enemy. The damage to the station was vast. Fuel storage tanks were set alight, hangars, workshop and barrack huts destroyed. On the ground, five Blackburn Sharks, five Fairy Swordfish, two Fairy Albacore Torpedo Bombers and a Percival Proctor were destroyed and a further 26 aircraft damaged. The RAF Spitfires and Hurricanes gallantly intercepted the Raiders, suffering heavily for their bravery. Four Spitfires of 602 Squadron were hit in quick succession. Sergeant Basil Wall's Spitfire received a fatal hit, not before accounting for two Stukas, but managed to ditch it safely in the sea, 20 yards off Middleton Beach. Flying officer Ian Ferguson was also over the sea when he was hit. He stayed in his aircraft to prevent it crashing into Littlehampton and ended up crash-landing in Toddington Cemetery. When two home guard men reached Scott, they thought he must be Polish as they could not understand a word he was shouting. The language turned out to be rather blue in a broad Scottish accent. Meanwhile, pilot officer Harry Moody shot down a bomber into the sea before his own aircraft was hit by enemy cannon shells forcing him to crash land at Ford. Another pilot, pilot officer Mickey Mount, suffered the same fate but he managed to nurse his crippled Spitfire back to West Hampton. 
Possibly the most memorable event was carried out by Dunlop Ury when his West Hampton base squadron was scrambled. His aircraft wasn't serviceable, so he jumped into a brand new aircraft which had just arrived, waiting to be painted in the squadron's colours. He was returning to the airfield, having run out of ammunition, when he was attacked and struck by cannon shells, which not only badly damaged his aircraft, but also wounding him in the legs. He managed to make it back to the airfield, but the aircraft was a write-off. It had a service life of 24 minutes. The raid signalled the end of Navy's wartime occupation of Ford, for on the 30th of September 1940 they departed and the RAF moved in. The project starts soon to replace the footbridge at Widewater Lagoon in Lansing, making the coastal nature reserve and the beach more accessible for people with disabilities. The project is estimated to cost about £300,000 and will be funded through developer contributions, Section 106 funds, with Ada District Council providing 103,000 of these. All the government-funded trial pop-up cycleways in West Sussex are now open, with routes available for people to try in Chichester, Crawley, East Grinstead, Horsham, Shoreham and Worthing. Route maps and feedback surveys are available online at westsussex.gov.uk forward slash pop-up cycle lanes. The National Lottery Heritage Fund has awarded the Bluebell Railway a grant of £250,000 in order to help it survive through the winter months. Health leaders will meet next week to discuss the West Sussex COVID-19 local outbreak plans and how the Local Outbreak Engagement Board is supporting the National Test and Trace programme. Winter opening hours have now come into effect at household waste recycling sites in West Sussex since the 1st of October 2020. Sites will now be open from 9am to 4pm until the 31st of March 2021. Now, we all know a good night's sleep is vital for our immune systems and, in this strange year of 2020, we are probably more aware than ever of how important our immune system is in keeping us healthy. Of course, we instantly know if the bed we're sleeping in isn't comfy, but how much attention do we pay to ensuring the pillow is suitable for us? In this episode's health feature, Storrington osteopath Nick Koish indulges us with some pillow talk, including the good, the bad and the ugly, why you shouldn't sleep on your front and, wait for it, what could be living in your pillow? Yuck. Over to you, Nick. So we'll start with a bit of anatomy. The head weighs about five kilos, which is around 11 pounds, and the neck consists of seven of the spine's vertebrae. With an intricate and easily compromisable structure, it's easy to see how neck pain, stiff necks and persistent headaches can occur, simply as a result of poor pillow support. Getting straight to the point, a good pillow should hold your head in the correct alignment in relation to your shoulders and spine, as though you were standing upright with the correct posture. Not enough support and your head will sink into the pillow too far, and too much the other way and you'll probably get a quick neck. So what to do? As with the advice with mattresses, it's best to try the pillows out before you make your final decision. And one test you can perform with somebody else's help is to line your side and get the other person to check whether your neck and upper back is in a straight line. 
The pillow should be in a position where it's tucked well into the neck and shoulder to support the head fully. A general top tip I'll throw in at this point, it's fine to lie on your sides and back, but ideally you want to try and avoid lying on your front if possible, as this puts a lot of strain through your neck from being in a forcefully rotated position for potentially hours on end. Back to pillows, and whether you have one or two, a rule of thumb is that they should be able to retain their shape throughout the night if they are to provide the head and neck support that is necessary. Now onto the different types of pillows that you can get, and there are goose down, duck down, feather, fiber filled and viscoelastic, latex or polyurethane foam, gel, and all sorts of combinations of all of these. The most popular ones tend to be the polyester type, and these can range from very soft to very firm. And the better quality ones are usually machine washable. Down and feather pillows usually provide good give to them. They're very durable and wash well, but be sure to check the type of feathers used. If they're chicken feathers, for example, then these get uh, artificially curled, but that will eventually wear off and they might also smell. It's important to check the casing as well, just to make sure that the weave is very fine so that the feathers don't actually poke through and it's good to also check the label for quality assurance. Remember though, as they are feathers, some people can have an allergic reaction to this. Foam and latex pillows tend to be firm with a bit of bounce to them and these hold their shape well and are considered hypoallergenic. The specially moulded neck care pillows are usually made from foam or latex and are commonly used in conjunction with another softer pillow. At the risk of sounding a little bit too like, much like Alan Partridge at this point and getting overly technical on it all, I'll leave it there, but just with one last takeaway on pillow types, which is that it can be good to, a good idea to choose a pillow that's based on the type of mattress you have. For example, if you have a memory foam mattress, then a memory foam pillow uh, will be good to support the head and neck in the same way that the rest of the body is. So when it comes to the best pillows for your sleeping position, back and side sleepers would do well with a medium or medium to firm support. And for those with neck pain, memory foam pillows can be a good option to help that. If you do have to lie on your front, or you can't stop yourself from doing so in the night, then a softer fe uh, feather pillow would be a better option for you to prevent overarching of the spine. So in terms of when you should replace your pillows, if you consider that they affect your sleeping posture and are next to your skin and nostrils, it's a good idea to invest in a quality one and replace it probably every two to three years for a healthy sleeping environment. Some ways to tell when this time has come, if your pillow loses its loft or height, becomes lumpy, discoloured or misshapen. And not to gross you out too much, but bear in mind any unwashed pillows could contain up to 10% of your skin scale, mould, dead or living dust mites and their allergen laden droppings. And on that bombshell, if that hasn't convinced you to buy a new pillow by now, or at least wash your existing ones, then I don't know what will. The Autumn Show and Game Fair recently took place at the South of England showground with visitors enjoying the first COVID-secure agricultural show in the South East since lockdown, with tickets selling out on the Sunday. 
For the protection of everyone at future events, tickets for the Winterfair 2020 are limited and must be bought online at seas.org.uk. That's seas.org.uk. Entrepreneurs looking to test the market and get experience of being on the high street are being invited to apply for a pop-up shop space. Chichester District Council has opened up applications for the scheme for its two pop-up shops in Crane Street, Chichester. People can find out more information and apply for the scheme by visiting chichester.gov.uk forward slash business support and advice and clicking on pop-up shop initiative. Volunteers from the Storrington area joined with Horsham District Council's Storrington Neighbourhood Wardens over a two-day period to clear bagloads of rubbish from the Storrington Mill Pond. Some volunteers donned waders and collected rubbish from the pond itself, while others assisted with clearing the banks and paths. A review of the rules for dogs in public spaces has been approved for the Chichester District. The changes are designed to address public feedback and take into account the Council's experience in managing land and enforcement issues in relation to the current dog controls. These amendments include allowing dogs on East Wittering and Bracklesham beaches from May to September, while retaining the dog exclusion zone on Selsey Beach during the same period, as long as they are put on a lead if directed to do so and that all dog mess is cleared up straight away. The rules around dog fouling have also been strengthened to include additional footpaths and cycleways which were not previously covered. The new rules mean that in playgrounds and public spaces, it is an offence to fail to remove mess, not keep a dog on a lead when requested to do so by an authorised officer or allow a dog to enter an area from where they are excluded. A breach of an order can result in offenders being issued an on-the-spot fixed penalty notice of £100. Do you like salt? I do, especially on my chips with loads of vinegar. But did you know that salt has healing properties when you breathe it in? Salt therapy is gaining in popularity with its proponents claiming it provides relief from a variety of respiratory and skin conditions, from COPD, asthma and eczema, to bronchiectasis and sinusitis. It boosts the immune system, here we go again, and can increase lung capacity. Salt Space in Hove offers sessions for adults and children, and we have a fabulous competition where you can win a pass for five sessions. Here's Editor Chris with all the details. As we move into the winter with colder weather, it's more important than ever to do what we can to avoid colds and bugs. A strong immune system is vital to fend off the winter germs, and salt therapy is a natural way to help boost your immune system. Salt Space in Portland Road Hove has two rooms where both adults and children can sit back, relax, and breathe in the highly concentrated dry salt. In the children's area, there are toys, books, and a television, so younger visitors can be entertained as they breathe in the salty air. Tiny salt microparticles are inhaled and penetrate deep into the lungs, airways, and skin to help relieve congestion, inflammation, and skin irritations. It's completely natural, organic and drug-free, so everyone from the age of six months can benefit from the healing properties of salt. There are many clinical studies and research about the health benefits of salt therapy, and you can read more on Salt Space's website at www.saltspace.co.uk. If you'd like to win five salt therapy sessions plus a salt lamp, simply answer the following question. Where is Salt Space based? Is it A. Worthing, B. 
B. Brighton or C. Hove. To enter, visit our website at www.sussexlocal.net forward slash features forward slash competitions. The winner will be drawn after the end of November. Good luck! If you enjoyed this episode of the Sussex Local Podcast and would like your community or charity news featured in our magazines, our website or on our next podcast episode, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at info at sussexlocal.net or get in touch via our website. Charity and community notices are always published free of charge in our magazine and on our website, sussexlocal.net, where you can find lots of other Sussex news and sign up to our newsletter. We should just say that the companies mentioned in this episode have given their information free of charge and Sussex Local has not charged a fee for mentioning them. Lastly, if you have any feedback on what you would like to hear in our podcasts, then please get in touch by email to podcast at sussexlocal.net. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time. This podcast was presented by me, Kat Sims. The script was written by Georgia Brown. Theme music was composed and performed by Jimmy Sims. Audio production and mixing also by Jimmy Sims. And the podcast was produced by Jeff Nutbeam from Sussex Local. Sussex Local.